0: Happy New Year, from your friends at Entrust. What are you trusting God for this year? We trust this will be a year of expanded kingdom impact worldwide as followers of Jesus, like you, grow closer to Him and let Him shine through you in every aspect of life. We're here to equip you with ideas about how to further your growth in Christ and how to further your kingdom impact, no matter where you are. Today, we continue our two part conversation of finding, receiving, and offering ministry training online. Our special guest today is Corey. She serves as International Director of Entrust Equipping Women. I think you'll find her tips and ideas for making good use of Zoom super practical. So here they are Corey and your host, Lori.
1: Well, Corey, maybe you could start off by introducing yourself to us a little bit and what your role is with Entrust.
2: Sure. My role with Entrust is I'm the International Director for Equipping Women, which is the Ministry of Entrust. And my role is really to come alongside our, our regional leaders and our country leaders outside of the United States.
1: In the article that you wrote for our blog about Entrust um, Equipping Leaders, you wrote um, mm-hmm. that even prior to the pandemic, trust Equipping Women had begun to kind of explore online training options. What were some of the factors that led you to even start looking into those directions?
2: Hmm. Yes. Well, it was a number of things. Uh, we want the trainings to be accessible to all people that's a high value for entrust, and so that would include financial factors and so you know when you use a facility there's costs involved in it so we're always asking the question how can we keep costs as low as possible uh and There's also transportation involved in going to a training, which adds additional costs for women. So uh, we uh, just started dreaming about, you know, what what could this look like to use an online platform? Um, Visa issues are another thing that comes up for some of our women. They're not able to get visas from their country to a place where we're offering trainings. So... The idea of a training platform where it could be very low cost uh, for them and yet and require no visa seemed attractive. We weren't sure if it would be effective, but we you know, wanted to, to try
1: it out. And so you did. And you said you began to look into, again, this is before the pandemic, before we even knew where the world was heading. You were looking into various um, options and platforms. You kind Mm -hmm. of landed on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Uh, What were some of the other platforms that you looked at and what were the, maybe the advantages or disadvantages of the different options that you found?
2: WebEx was one of them. We were considering Team was another and then Zoom And um, I think I said in the article, Zoom just seemed intuitive. You know, technology can be a scary thing for some of us, including me. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, something intuitive that anyone could utilize, but that also had features that would work for us. We needed a whiteboard feature. We needed a way to do breakout rooms because we do a lot of small group and partner activities, so Zoom seemed to fit the bill. I, I think there were others that could have worked for us. Uh, security encryption was another factor that we looked at, and and Zoom, although I know it's had um, its issues, does seem to be holding up under uh, the encryption.
1: Well, and not only you had interest, but. Pretty much every ministry or every organization in the world has, as far as I can understand, landed on Zoom. I mean, that seems to be by far the predominant um, platform that we're all using for online meetings and trainings now. We couldn't have known that at the time, but it
2: is (laughs) interesting, you know, that that's I, I, according to my knowledge, that does seem to be the case.
1: You really, you were ahead of your time and little did you know, and even that God knew that he kind of had you Mm -hmm. ladies beginning to explore this idea of training people online before Mm -hmm. it really became a necessity. I know you did a couple of beginning of some trainings prior Mm -hmm. to the pandemic, and then it unfolded Mm -hmm. more during the pandemic. Maybe just you can describe a little of what that process was.
2: Yes. well. Well, Our very first training we tried was from our second module, which is called Developing a Discerning Heart, which I think is one of our most popular courses. It has less breakout and practice uh, types of activities in it. And so we thought it might be a little more conducive for an experiment for all of us. And yet it's quite... uh, deep and emotional there's a lot of sharing so we also thought this could be fabulous or a complete train wreck <laughs> you know? yes so mm-hmm. um <laughs> right so we you know started investigating who might be available for this first experiment and and we were really upfront with the women this is an experiment. <laughs> We want it to be good. Pray with us that this will be a, a good experience for all of you. But we also want to be upfront that you know we're we're learning right alongside you all, and so there was a learning curve for all of us as we moved into this.
1: So the learning curve definitely went on, and as you've gone on to to use online platforms, and now through COVID and past even you know what are some things you've learned just just on the logistical side before we get into the personal connection and the ministry side um logistically speaking for example security can often be an issue if you're certain people in certain countries and what have you learned about what is or is not safe like to say out loud or there's certain things that shouldn't say out loud or writing things on a shared screen or in a chat What are the safety levels of different aspects of Zoom in different countries or regions? We do always use the encryption and
2: uh, we have people out of trust that continue to monitor that. So I I feel some security in in what we're offering there. We generally don't record for uh, countries that are higher risk. Uh, but we would, because that can cancel the encryption. And so that would be one security measure we take. Uh, but we are told that all, all the features, you know, aren't are safe. Otherwise, in terms of breakout rooms and, you know, <laughs> private chats and whiteboards oh. So uh, mainly it's the recording piece that we don't do when there's a higher risk situation just as an extra security precaution.
1: And what about, again, I'm just thinking the logistics first. Um, um, when you have a lot of people, and especially a lot of women, <laughs> mm-hmm. they all start talking at the same time. How do you avoid this? Like, and then no one can hear anything. They've all canceled each other out. You know, when you talk over each other, do, and you kind of lose time because then it's what, who, what, who said what, do you, have you learned any tricks to avoid that talking over each other and losing things? We
2: just mute them all. That's, that's all we have to do.
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. um, it, it is tricky because there's a delay sometimes and you don't always see the cues, you know, when someone is going to, to speak up. Of course, that happens in person as well, and I think we handle it similarly online. You know, if if someone begins to speak up, and we say no, you you go ahead, you know, and um, but we do try to talk about expectations and giving room for everyone's voice. Uh, we try to set the parameters ahead of time so that it's it's understood, you know, that we want to hear from everyone, um, and I think everyone is diligently watching for anyone that is uh, going to speak up. Uh, we also you know, use the chat regularly. Uh, there is a feature where you can raise your hand. I, I haven't found that super helpful, but I love how women are always encouraging each other on chat. You know, someone will be speaking out something personal, and you'll see a word pop up. You know, I, I think I gave an example in the article. We're with you. Are that that's so encouraging? Thank you. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. there's kind of this sense that even though I'm not going to r- interrupt you right now,
1: I'm 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 with you. I'm, I'm listening.
2: You know, to what you are saying.
1: Hmm. That's a great way to encourage that interaction without the overlapping voices. I love that. On the other hand, you mentioned muting. What have you learned, if anything, about the age-old, pesky, uh, Gertrude, you're muted. (laughs) Someone started to talk and they've gone quite a while and they're still on mute. How, How do we ever get around that one?
2: That's that's a great question. I don't know if we're ever going to get around that one.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I think you know some visual cues like timeout or uh, seem to work well, but there's always going to be that that issue. I think.
1: What have you learned about length of time? Like, are there certain how long can a session last when somebody is sitting and looking at a screen? Mm-hmm. Does it work better for? Longer, or shorter, or what's an optimum time frame?
2: You know, I, I think we're still wrestling with that question. I, I do believe that we've seen that a three-hour time period is doable, uh, but it is optimum to offer at least one 15-minute break in the middle of that. Although we have had feedback from different groups that, you know, two 10-minute breaks maybe an even better option because some women just can't sit as well for a long period of time. I do think there's some generational pieces to this too. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of the older generation doesn't like to sit for that length of the time. And, uh, I, I'm sure that's a generalization, but I do find that younger people, um, Maybe this is a not a good thing <laughs> for younger people, but they're used to screen time, you know, and <laughs> and sitting there for long periods of time. So, uh, three hours seems to work for us. Uh, can we do longer? I have heard of trainings being done that are longer. We have not ventured there because we continue to get feedback that
1: they wouldn't want to go any longer. Yeah, so three hours. Yeah overall with maybe a break, but that's per day or like, would you do three hours in the morning and three more in the evening or the afternoon, or just kind of keep it to that's enough for the day.
2: We generally do three hours once a week, Uh, but we have tried a format with our fearless Filipinas. They, they want to get in and out and they want to get these modules done. So we have tried two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Coming in for three hours with them, I still don't think that's optimum because it is provides very little time for them to really prepare well for the next module, and that's a value of ours too is coming prepared, you know, having done the the work, the pre work prior to that time. So I. I still, I still hold to three hours a week is a good amount of time, but I'm also open to, you know, whatever else God might show us that we could
1: try. Mm-hmm. Also, I think you mentioned in your article, just some of the the um, ups and downs, the, the pitfalls, there's certain things like even just access to, to electricity mm-hmm. and or the internet for certain people. Um how have you dealt with that, or are there I can't imagine there are a whole lot of workarounds to those things?
2: It is a big challenge for us, and it, it absolutely is, but I will say we have evidence that where there's a will, there's a way. Uh-huh. And that, that God makes a way. And I can use our, our Philippines group as an example of that. They, you know, the the internet is just not, it's very sporadic and intermittent at best there, and it's expensive, so many individuals do not have it, so there's an accessibility issue right there, uh, but uh, with the pandemic, we could not do an in-person with them, and they wanted to move forward, so minds came together and there was a church that offered a location where they were able to get stronger internet and it was you know a collective offering so the expense was down and so we had women that were you know traveling to the church to be there for the three hours and it was, you know, during the pandemic. So there were uh, curfews where some of the women had to stay the night at the church because they couldn't go back home because the module ended, you know, before they could leave. So, I mean, talk about dedicated women. These women were just hungry and that, that just blesses us to see their hunger and to see them saying, no, uh, it's not about my comfort. I want to be equipped to, you know, equip others in, in our church. So that, that is one way we've worked around it. Um, in Africa, we've struggled with the same thing. And we haven't had a similar solution there, but we have done a lot more localized trainings. There and, and that has uh, really kind of met, spurred on the local leadership to get more involved. And we've used features like WhatsApp to do some of the mentoring and the shepherding from the module, and even to you know talk about some of the the questions from the module. So I think you can get creative in those places where internet is, is an issue. Uh, but I also believe there's just going to be those places where this is not going to be the net, the best modality to
1: use. When you said in Africa, you did more localized trainings. What exactly does that mean?
2: Well, in Africa right now, there is a, a main hub in Kenya, which is an international hub and, we have had women from all over East Africa and and North Africa come to that hub for training. Well, that wasn't possible during the pandemic. And so it really forced countries within Africa that wanted to continue training women to say, what could we do here in our country? And so, you know, some of the women that had been through the training came together Under the leadership of our regional leader and started training their women. And and it was it was awesome. And so now, you know, there is their own version of a a hub and a national movement that's forming in these countries uh, because I think we were kind of forced into it. And yet also in those places, it wasn't always possible to get together during the pandemic. And so that's where internet, if internet isn't an option, what do you do? Well, a lot of the women have phones. And so WhatsApp groups became more um, accessible to use. So, you know, you just got to think about what is available to the women that you are serving and then, work with it.
1: So just to clarify again, so those localized trainings that you mentioned, like Zambia, were in person, actually?
2: Yes, they were.
1: Okay, but then these groups also use some additional technology, like you mentioned WhatsApp, and I think in your article you mentioned Signal, maybe other things. Um, What are some of the uses for those types of platforms, again, that the women are using? Well,
2: those have been great globally for just connecting different cohorts that are going through a module for one. Uh, We have, you know, for every module it's become best practices that we form a WhatsApp or a signal group, depending on where where they are in the world. Sometimes one of those is more accessible and used than others. And we uh, started just giving weekly questions I think it was one of our uh, women in the Middle East that started with that idea and we kind of ran with it and, and really we use that all the time now for online modules so giving weekly questions where women can respond and and it's just lighthearted you know and post a picture of you doing something you enjoy this week, or post a picture of your family. So they're just getting to know one another. And a lot of these women have never met in person. So, you know, they're getting to know women from other countries and what their daily life is like. And, and then it can get deeper over time as relationships form, you know, in the online setting. Um, But in settings like Africa, where there likely won't be as much online use. It was used more for uh, just discussion groups. So maybe, you know, a a breakout group that is coming together and being mentored and they're looking over their lessons or let's say our first course, facilitating relational learning, Uh, they're sharing what their lesson ideas are and they're getting feedback from each other in the group. So they're still getting shepherded and mentored. It's just in a little different format. And and it's just, it's fun that some of these things we were forced into, you know, because of the pandemic, but I think it also gives us more tools now in the, what we hope is (laughs) post-pandemic period of
1: time. Yes, we definitely hope for, that we're finished with that. So you did mention um, best practices. and um, I might be crossing over now from minist- from uh, the logistics into ministry, but both, but in your article you said we're we're developing more and more best practices for harnessing this online technology for training. And even since you wrote the article, which is over a year ago, Have you discovered additional best practices since you wrote that?
2: Oh, I think we're discovering new things all the time. You know, we're continuing to evaluate. That's the entrust way Uh, we evaluate after every module. And we think about, you know, what, how could this be better? Um, I think I mentioned the power of praying together. That is definitely a, a best practice and dividing into pairs or threes, you know, in breakout rooms makes that, uh, time-wise doable too, because it only can take 10 minutes, but to put in, put them in pairs and yet they get to share their heart and they get to pray with others. Um, other best practices, uh, really mixing it up a lot, uh, just as, we do in person. Uh, We want to change the activities and you want to do that pretty regularly. You know, every 20 minutes or so you're, you're changing it up. So if you're working in partners for this period of time, then maybe you move it back to a large group discussion, or you move it into a small group of three or four where they're doing something else or you change it up and say, uh, we're going to use chat for this question, especially if you think they're starting to kind of fade a little bit, you know, <laughs> let's get, let's, uh, rally and everyone, we want to hear your, your feedback on this one, or that's also a really good time to throw them back in partners when you sense they're getting tired because <laughs> then they're just, they're, they have to focus and talk <laughs> and rally and, and it can just be just the thing, you know, to kind of keep that engagement up. And, and that's, that's it. You want them to be engaged in the conversation. So I, I really think a, a variety of, of activities, including time for personal sharing and prayer, um, having that uh, WhatsApp or signal group discussion outside of that time enriches it so much, uh, creating space for just some personal conversations. I think I mentioned in the article where we have a tea time, you know, where we just get to go get our favorite beverage and they, they love that, you know, so then they show what what they're drinking and, and we also really try to celebrate. And I think we've been growing in our understanding of how that can look. And there's things available to us in our celebrations that we didn't even think of initially. Uh, Like, for example, for our Philippines graduation, we brought in all the facilitators that the women have had in different modules online. And so we were all they were all together in a church, but we were all there on a screen and we were able to play a small part in that celebration ceremony and bring in words. I think that's becoming a best practice where we can bring in others into that final time to just, you know, give a charge, to give some encouragement. It's kind of like in Hebrews that cloud of witnesses, you know, that's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you've been a little part of your journey and now we're here to celebrate with you. Um, We've had more uh, leaders that have been invited in that time because you have that option. So when you're working with people all over the world, sometimes there isn't an apparent leader to invite Uh, But when you're working with national movements, like in the Philippines, it was uh, a perfect option to invite those pastors into this process to be there, even though they weren't there for the online module. They were there to give certificates to the women and to listen to them as they said what they hoped to do with what was entrusted to them in the module. So I, I think we're you know, expanding our ideas on who can be involved at different points of the module. And you're, you really, with when you're not there in person, I think the sky's the limit.
1: I love that. Right. So the Philippines group, right. I think, are they our first um, cyber group? Dare we say, like, did they begin, continue and, and graduate entirely? online without in-person contact?
2: No. <laughs> they did not. Okay. They
1: our,
2: our very first cohort in the Philippines went through the first three modules online. And for the fourth module, they just uh went in person to our Asia hub and they were there for the fourth module together and it was a wonderful thing because they had mainly experienced one another and their and different facilitators but now they were going to an international hub where they were meeting people from other countries it was their first time out of the philippines so it was really so special. You know, they're taking selfies all over the place (laughs) and just enjoying a different type of learning as they were learning from other sisters in Christ from other countries. So there's the strength of being together with other nationals. There's also just the beauty and richness of coming together at an international hub where you have many countries represented.
1: Yeah, that's so great. And that they did get some in person contact time as well as just the screen time that's element right. of their training. You did say how in trust, it's true, and trust is so focused on the relational aspect of learning and especially equipping women. We really learn from one another and grapple with ideas and we're very in, you know, with one another very, very closely. So what are some other ways that you um, get past that screen?
2: That's a great question. And I I think the simple answer is time and intentionality. Um, I will say even for our in-person trainings now, one, one thing that is starting to happen is meeting online for one or more times ahead of time so that the women can begin to already start to get to know one another uh, before they ever show up in person. And so that would be something that was pulled from our online and now is being you know applied back to the in-person trainings that we do. Uh, but a lot of what we would do in person is what we would do in an online setting Uh, We just have to be intentional about it. And we have to allow time to play its course uh, because relationships take time. Uh, But it is amazing to me how many women have never met but have such a, a love for others in their group. And that has come through allowing space for personal sharing. It has come through prayer together, you know, some of the partner prayer that we talked about. Um, it has come through deep sharing over God's word, which is a central part of every module that we do at Entrust. And, and I think that's key, Lori. It, it's really the, the deepest heart connection. Is over our unity in Christ and over his word, which unites us. And so, whether we're doing that in person or we're doing that online, uh, God doesn't. You know, he shows up. And as we're interacting with his word, he starts uniting our hearts.
1: You mentioned that um, in your article again, that it was really amazing that people, that women could actually work through the material and learn the material from the comfort of their own homes online. Do you think, do we concentrate as well when we're sitting in our own home in our living room or our kitchen or our desk, as when we're all in a a big meeting room around a table with one another? <laughs> it's not a leading question. <laughs> it is a leading question. It's a leading question. It's also a yes/no question. So it's a very bad and trust question on two levels. I apologize for that. Maybe I can rephrase that. What impact does online training have on our concentration in our own mm. home on a screen as opposed to together in a in the mm. same physical space? Well, there
2: there are distractions at a home that you just can't get around. I think I mentioned in the article, you know, the, the dog that starts howling in the background yeah. <laughs> or the toddler that comes walking in, I I'm praying our four-year-old doesn't walk in any moment. Cause I gave him instructions not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right. And, and I think there's other, you know, t- Temptations like you have email right there and maybe you're online and it dings <laughs> and you think, well, someone just sent me an email or, you know, mm-hmm. there's your phone and, and you see a text come in. So, yes, yes, for sure. There are distractions, uh, but I think you can also get so engaged in the content that you want to be a part of what is happening there. And, and you go with the flow, you know, we do set up our trainings by saying, you know, if there's noise in the background, just mute yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless you're facilitating, you know, that's, that's an option available to you. Uh, but I do find largely that women want to be present, and they, they want to be heard and they also want to hear others. And so that takes attentiveness. And I, I do think in general, although I'm not monitoring what they're doing on the phones or their emails, I do find they're engaged. You know, they're looking, they're they're, they're nodding, they're, they're there. And I'm sure their attention goes up and down like all of ours, but I um, think, When you want to be somewhere and you're engaged in the topic, you will allow yourself to to focus despite the distractions.
1: In your article, you mentioned that we have started to do hybrid modules. Maybe you Mm -hmm. could explain a little bit more what, what that is and what that looks like. I find this so exciting, actually,
2: because I think it pulls some of the best of both uh, spheres of learning. Uh, we've had a camp that's always been firmly in the we have to stay in person. <laughs> and then we have slowly convinced others that, hey, maybe this online thing could work. Well, this would be a hybrid of both of those. So it would be starting with an online portion for, say, nine weeks And then concluding by coming together for a long weekend, usually three days in person. So it it brings some of the best together in terms of you've already developed relationships online with those people, but you've also done a lot of the content. And then they're excited to see one another in person. And, you know, they've already done a lot of the bonding online it also makes it much more accessible as uh we only need a training center and meals for three days versus a full intensive which for us is usually six or seven days uh but this it's it's exciting i know that there's a hybrid going on in ecuador right now as we speak in spanish And I just got off a call just today uh, with uh, our Middle East team, and they were sharing how they had experimented this year with the in-person hub. They had two modules that were there for the entire week, and then they had one module that did the hybrid approach and just joined that group. It was our third module discovery Bible study. They joined that group for just the last three days. And they said it was just awesome because it brought energy to the whole group. All of a sudden, more people are showing up at the party, you know, so they are talking in the, in the Middle East about how it is increasingly hard for women to get off for six to seven days of of work or away from their families, you know, women have a lot of commitments. So they are really wrestling with maybe going to an all hybrid approach.
1: One other question, I was curious, you said in your article, um, God is even allowing a trust to become a resource for partnering organizations who need and understand a little bit more about how this training works online. Are you able to name any of those organizations? Or can you tell us anything about how is it trust serving as a resource to other ministries
2: early on in the pandemic, there were organizations that had never tried an online platform before. And uh, we certainly weren't experts at that point. And I don't know that we can say we are now, but we're further down the road and we were further down the road than some of those organizations that were looking into it. So um, I I don't know that I remember specific names of organizations that we worked with, but it's like the word got out and we already partner with so many organizations as it is. So when one is talking and they hear, well, Entrust uh, is doing this, you know, we were getting requests mm-hmm. for can can we learn what you're doing? Can we learn about best practices? And so, That's when we started forming our best practices uh, just in a document to be able to share with these. Uh, That's when we did, uh, we created just some simple Zoom trainings so that we could share, hey, this is what we're learning. You know, we're we're not the experts, but this is what we've learned so far in what's working for us. And so, yeah, it it was a privilege to be able to pass along what we have learned
1: we've talked a lot about how good it all can be what are the downsides or the pitfalls to online training you know we have had those those
2: moments where you think this is a train wreck you know and where i i can think of a few times with the philippines in particular where internet is such a challenge where we had You know, someone dropped off the call, and then all of a sudden, this person we couldn't hear. (laughs) Where all of a sudden, there's so many distractions that you're you're just you might as well laugh or cry. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) like
2: all learning has ceased at that moment. I think the the pitfall would be to assume that. It can't happen um, when things go awry because the Philippines is just a really good example of how you kind of dust your sandals off and you move on, you know, and you say that didn't work well, but you then get testimonies for how God's working in the lives of these women and how they're excited about the material. And so we can keep pressing on here. So, so not giving up when things don't go as planned, they won't. There's always going to be uh, some kind of issue. Uh, we've had women that uh, want to leave a breakout room and they leave the call completely. And you know, also they're Oops. dropping off. Oops, that happens, you know, at least once every, every module we do. So, so things things will happen, uh, but just moving on and flexing, you know with it, I think is key. I think bringing in those personal elements is, is critical. So if in the interest of being fast, as many Americans are excited about fast, getting things done, <laughs> being quick about it, It would be easy to say, well, let's cut out this social time and, well, we don't need this prayer time or we don't need to do this. Um, And yet that is really, I think, the glue that makes it work. All Mm -hmm. those relational pieces that are kind of woven in to the, the core content so uh not trying to be fast and um really just making sure those core elements are still there and those opportunities to relate
1: um i'm wondering if you have any like scenarios that just really are not a good idea to do online i think we would have with each module that we've added
2: we've thought we might Find that thing. <laughs> yeah. dis- Discovery Bible study, for example, our third module. You know, one of the practices is you have to give a message. And we thought, how's that going to work online? Giving, they have to give a 15 minute talk about a biblical passage. And so we thought that might be a disaster. But it wasn't, you know, God, God used that. Um, so I, I will say there might be those things where it will be a a, a train wreck and you do need to have a semi-strong internet, you know, to have an effective learning experience, but God has worked in every module that we've added online. And so I, I guess I have a high degree of confidence that you can do most learning online. You're you're going to miss some components, perhaps. Uh, you certainly can't go and have lunch with those individuals afterwards, which is a loss because you want to as you're getting to know them. Uh, but I, I do think that learning can take place. um I will say in some countries, we have more women that don't have computers. And, you know, in America, we think "Ah, everybody has a computer. That's just so accessible. And it's just not true in many of the countries we're working in. So initially, we had said, you know, we would not allow a woman to be on their phone. And I would still say a computer is a best practice. I, I hold to that. But we have women in countries in Asia that would have never had that opportunity to be equipped if we had been legalistic and held to that. Mm-hmm. And they, they learned and they've multiplied. So, yeah, they couldn't see everyone on their screen at the same time. It was, a modality that maybe wasn't as sharp for learning and yet God used that for them because it was what they had
1: use what you have and if the only thing available is a phone okay yes God is bigger than our technology i guess even yes well we're we're nearly at the end of our time but has mm-hmm. anything else come to your mind that you would like to mention about training and equipping Christian leaders online? Amy, just don't don't be afraid
2: of, of skeptics in your organization uh, because I think people are growing more comfortable in u- utilizing technologies, uh, but there are a number of people that it's just not their thing, too. And so... Um, You know treading gently in trying to bring in some more innovation with online options but also not letting people be naysayers about it you know and and letting it trying something out and just saying let's try this and then evaluate and and so they they know those people that are a little fearful about using certain new technologies that this is not something we have to uh, commit to forever in blood, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 but let's try, Let, you know, let's see what God can do with it. And then let's, uh, let's evaluate what more he could do.
1: Amen. God can use any technology for his good purposes. It was great to visit with Corey this week from Entrust. Go back and listen to the previous podcast episode that we put out with Dr. Timothy Westbrook of Harding University, also about equipping leaders online. And then you can read both articles, one by Dr. Westbrook and one by Corey, on our website at Entrust4.org under Resources. Next week, my guest will be Anne Graham-Lotz, and we will be talking about prayer. I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for
0: listening. You've been listening to Entrust, Equipping Leaders, a podcast resource from your friends at Entrust. Today's guest, Corey, is the International Director of Entrust Equipping Women. Join us next time. January 20th for a very inspiring conversation with Anne Graham Lotz about prayer. Be ready to be challenged to the very core about your prayer life.